The scripture reading this morning will be coming from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 14 through 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Be seated. And good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. This is an exciting time to live in Northwest Arkansas, be at the Bentonville Church of Christ. I mean, it's just life is wonderful. Gotten to go for a couple of good bike rides lately, and isn't it beautiful, the weather changing, getting just a little bit cooler, and I'm sure we'll pay for this later on in the year, but it has been a beautiful fall, hasn't it? And um, here, we know that we don't want to get overly busy, but for the next three weeks, you've got plenty to do. We talked about Camp Quest, that's coming up next weekend. The Saturday after that is the Dude Cathalon, so if you're a dude, look forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then the week after that, Saturday after that, is the Walk for Hope here. A couple of great public faith events, and you can find out more information about uh, the Walk for Hope over there. You can find out information about Camp Quest in your bulletin. So just get ready and have some fun together as a church. So let's pray. Let's bow and pray before we start a lesson. Father, we thank you so much for loving us and blessing us in ways that only you can. We pray that you would help us to uh, be aware of and appreciate and enjoy nature around us, the fellowship and the relationships that we have, and especially salvation through your son Jesus. And we ask all of this in his name. Amen. So two weeks ago, Josh started this series, The Story of Jesus, The Life of Jesus. And for a preacher, this is fun. This is great stuff to be able to talk about. Because Jesus is, I mean, after all, he's the answer, right? Every question in Sunday school that they ask, Jesus is the answer. But on a more serious note, in our life, Jesus is also the answer to every struggle that we go through, every doubt that we have, every fear that we face. Jesus is the answer. If only we get it, if only we understand it. And so, uh, the next slide, okay. So, I love Mark, and so far, Josh has kind of taught us about John the Baptist, about the background, about Jesus' baptism, his temptation in the wilderness, but I love the book of Mark and the way that he starts out. He starts out the boldest of any of the Gospels. I teach a study called the Mark Study when I'm trying to help people understand salvation and baptism and, and that whole process, and I always use this verse to start with. I've taught this verse hundreds of times, and in a short verse, there is so much in there, and it says the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the good news. This is the beginning of so many wonderful things in your life, and it's also the beginning of the fulfillment of Jesus's ministry. But the end, the part that's in yellow, is the thing that is so bold and it separates people. He says, hey, this guy, Jesus Christ, is the Son of God. Do you believe it? Now, how you answer that question changes everything. And I would guess that 99.9, almost everybody sitting here is going to say, well, sure I do. And I'm glad. That's really, really good. But the second question I always ask, and the one that I have the most fun is, with, well, well, why? 
Why do you believe that? Now, that's a really, really good question if you stop to think about it. Because we could believe that Jesus is the Son of God because that's the way we were raised. That's what our parents told us. That's what a, a person that we looked up to believes. Or, or we're afraid. That's our fire escape clause. That's, that's what we need to believe in order to get along in life. But the question is, do you really deep down inside believe that for personal reasons, personal experiences, that search of faith that you yourself have gone through? And that's what I love about this. And he says, John says, that he came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, the interesting thing about John the Baptist, as great a character as he was, laying the groundwork for our Savior Jesus Christ, that was his message. Repent. 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 So he tells us what we need to move away from, what we need to stop doing. And that's important. Forgiveness of sins, don't get me wrong, that's great. But in the grand scheme of things, there's got to be more. So this is the text that we're going to look at today. It was read a moment ago, but let me read it one more time and think about it. Think about what all Jesus is saying here. It says, after John was put in prison. So this is a milestone. This is a marker. This ends the prelude. This ends the introduction. This is Jesus' public ministry starting. So when John is put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. We're going to talk about that a lot in just a moment. But the good news of God, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So it's short, two verses, but the message is powerful. And the message is Jesus. Like I said a minute ago, the answer to everything, all the Sunday school questions you'll ever be asked, Jesus is the best answer, the safest answer to say. But Jesus preached the good news. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of gives me pause for reflection, makes me think a little bit, because I've always taught the good news, the gospel, is the death, burial, and resurrection of, of Jesus, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the DBR, you know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and it's probably true, but it's kind of limited. If that's our understanding of what the gospel is, is the story of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we really miss the deeper and the more wide-ranging truth that it is. So, the good news, gospel, euangelion, uh, I think, I'm not as good at pronouncing Greek as Josh is, but euangelion is the word for gospel, good news. And what it really means, if you look up the definition of it, is it means news that brings joy. So it's news that when I hear it, it it evokes a reaction in me. It brings joy. It brings happiness. It, it brings some reaction. And it has a reward to it. So there is, a, there is a connection between the good news, the story, and what I feel, and what I think, and what I experience, and ultimately what I do. And so the gospel reward is joy. When Jesus is saying this message, when he stands up and begins to tell what the good news is, he doesn't talk about, well, I'm going to live my life here on earth, and then I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be put in the ground, then I'm going to be raised again so that you too can walk a new life. That's not what he says. What he says is the promised time that God promised is here. The promise is here. The time is here. 
The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So that's his message. Three short statements that are all kind of woven together, but just for teaching purposes, we're going to kind of separate them out. We're going to try to look and see if we can really understand what he's talking about. So the time has come. So the time was prophesied about, and he talks about the time being here. It's a moment in history that was predicted and it was anticipated. In Greek, there was two words for time. There was kairos and chronos. We'll talk about both of them. But kairos is the point in time, the moment in time, the moment in history when something happens. And the Jews were looking forward to this moment in time when the Messiah would come. The prophets prophesied about it many years. The parents told their stories about it over and over, told their children stories about it over and over again. Each year at the Day of Atonement, each year when the scapegoat was let out with the sins of the nation on it, they were reminded that they needed a solution to their problems, and that was going to be the Messiah. And so they were looking forward, every little Jewish child up to the oldest were looking forward to this time in history, this moment when God would step into history and bring the Messiah. And that's the kairos, that's the significance of this day, that Jesus is starting this day when he stood up to preach. But also the chronos of it, he's saying, just like Mark did in verse 1, he's saying this is the beginning. This is the starting. And so the, the chronometer we get out of chronos, that Greek word, so the clock is ticking, the clock starts ticking. Jesus stands up and starts preaching his message. Now what would have happened to Jesus if he would have stood up that day and said, hey, I'm the son of God, I am the savior of the world, I am the Messiah, I am here. He probably would have got arrested and crucified much quicker. Long before he had the chance to call his apostles, to train his apostles, to teach the disciples, to fulfill his three and a half year long ministry. And so the clock is ticking and Jesus says the time has come, the time has come for the fulfillment of God's plan, but also for the start of something extremely important in your lives. Pay attention, is what he's saying. Then the next thing he says, is the kingdom of God is near. So when we talk about the kingdom, it's so easy for us, just like I'm sure all of the Jews, to think about borders and boundaries. When we think of a kingdom, we think of a space, we think of a region, we think of an area, of a country, of a nation. But that's not really the idea, and that's certainly not the idea that Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the kingdom. He was talking about rule. He was talking about authority. He was talking about people subjecting themselves to the authority. And as I thought about it this week and tried to figure out how do I get this point across, the thing that kept coming to mind is refugees. And we all are familiar in this day and age with refugees, leaving Venezuela, Nicaragua, Syria, nations that have oppressive regimes, and people in that regime couldn't care less where the borders or boundaries are at what they care about is that, that pain and that suffering and that lack of food and all that they're going through under the reign 
of whoever that dictator is or whoever that person is. And their pain is so intense that their desire is to escape, is to leave. And so they flee. And refugees oftentimes will walk for miles. They will suffer unbearable conditions in boats and on roads and in, in broken down trucks in order to get to a better place. Some place where the rule or the rain or the provisions for them is at least going to be fair or humane. Maybe not plentiful, but better. And I think this is, Jesus, this is what Jesus was talking about. The Jews were looking forward to the kingdom of God coming. There was no doubt about that. But they thought in their minds the kingdom of God, they kind of compared it, well, maybe it'll be like it was in David's time, where we conquer all of our enemies, where we are reigning over all of this territory and we're in control and we're not subjected to anybody else's authority. But Jesus just turns all of this upside down and he says, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. He said the kingdom would be handed to them, but not the way that they think. Jesus fought this battle the whole time he taught. If you read through the Gospel of John, when he was teaching the, the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, he was always battling this mindset that they had. And even all the Jewish people, when they thought about the kingdom being restored, they thought about it being done for them. And they could be kind of willing participants but it really wasn't going to cost them very much because a king and an army, they go out and they take care of it all, and I just reap the benefits. But see, Jesus was saying, this is a different kind of kingdom. This is not a kingdom that is one for you. This is a kingdom that you enter into, you participate into, and it's going to cost you. It's going to take effort on your part. And the effort is to repent and believe the good news. So you see, John the Baptist told half of this story. He said, repent. And yes, that's important to repent, right? But working in the recovery ministry for so many years, I can't tell you how many times I've told people, when you stop drinking, you stop using drugs, when you get into recovery, yay, that's great, that's wonderful. But that's not the end of the story. Because you can only run away from something for so long and you run out of gas. You can only run away from the pain and the suffering and the guilt and the shame and all the problems that you had for so long and then you run out of gas. At some point, you've got to change your focus and you've got to start running towards something better. So it's okay in the short run to run away from something that's dangerous and hurtful but at some point in that journey, you've got to decide, I'm done with that, I want this. And you start running towards it. That's the peace the Messiah adds. That's the peace Jesus gives us. He says, you've got to repent, yes, but you've got to believe the good news. You've got to turn and run towards something that is so much better than what you had before. And so when Jesus says this message, He's telling people that it's going to cost them 
that they're going to have to leave something behind and they're going to have to move towards something. And I want to kind of explain these next two points, what we believe is important. Now, I want to make kind of a free advertisement here for our parenting classes on Wednesday night. We've been doing those for a couple years, and they are wonderful. I've taught those, and I've learned so much from them. But one of the principles that, the, that they teach in all three levels of those classes that is so very important to understand, they call the think-feel-do cycle. And so when they introduce the idea of this think-feel-do cycle, at first, it kind of feels strange because my feelings are that I feel first and then I say whoa whoa wait a minute and I think about my feelings and then I do what I'm supposed to but that's not true but you do have to understand what they're talking about in the think feel do cycle they're not talking about thinking gee it's been a four or five hours since I've had anything to eat I feel hungry so I think I'll fix lunch now, the kind of thinking that they're talking about and the kind of thinking that Jesus is talking about is your worldview, your paradigm, your background beliefs, how you see yourself in the world around you. Now, if you see yourself as being a victim, dumb, ugly, incapable, and then something bad happens to you, it's going to be real easy to say, see, that just goes to show you, I really am a no good, dirty, whatever, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I'm just a victim. But if, on the other hand, we see ourselves, if our worldview, our paradigm, is understanding, hey, you are not the sum of all your experiences from the past. Newsflash, you are a child of God. You want to talk about worth and value? This guy, the son of God, died on the cross for you. That's how valuable you are. You want to talk about capabilities? About your abilities? He said, I can do all things, I can do more things than you can ask or imagine according to my power that is at work within you. So you see the paradigm, the way that we look at things or the way we think is going to cause us to feel certain things. Feel like I can't or feel like I can, feel like I shouldn't, or feel like I need to, feel like I hate that, or feel like I love you. And Jesus is saying the time has come for us to understand that the kingdom is here, the reign, the rule. You remember, they prayed about that when they asked Jesus, how should we pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, here around me, in my life, just the same way as it is in heaven. So Jesus was saying that we need to believe that. And we need to believe that because it's true. Because Jesus was real. Jesus did die. Jesus has set us free from shame and guilt and sin. Do you believe it? Do you get it? Do you act like you believe it? 
And so when Jesus says this in this think, feel, do cycle, when we understand something better, when we understand something more fully, when we understand something more spiritual, it will cause us to feel spiritual. It will cause us to do spiritual things. And then that will start the cycle all over again. That's why they call it a cycle. And I don't know about you, but I find myself oftentimes in cycles, either negative or positive. And the key for me has become recognizing that and realizing that and saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This cycle is spinning in the wrong direction. It's heading the wrong direction and wanting to come back. And so when we look at the story of Jesus, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. We have everything that we need to help us understand who we really are. When we look at the world around us, there's a lot of things I can't explain. I don't know how to explain global warming. I don't know how to explain world hunger. I don't know how to explain the homeless problem. I don't know how to explain all of that. But I do believe on the good days, I understand how God wants me to fit into it, what he wants me to do, what he wants me to think and understand. I can't fix all those huge problems, but I can make a difference. I can be a part of the solution, not the problem. And the beauty of it is you can too, and you can, and you can, and you can, and, and we can as a church. Some of these events that we're talking about, your schedule may not permit you to come, but you can give, you can help, you can make a difference. You can care about things in your community. And by caring about things in your community, you show the people that look to you what a Christian thinks, what a Christian feels, what a Christian does, and how a Christian acts. And at the end of the day, that's really all we have. We can preach till we're blue in the face, but if our actions don't back it up, then it really doesn't carry very much weight. And so I think our actions are the most important part, and our speech will follow. And so we celebrate this series, the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus, but we celebrate more what it means in our lives and how it can change and empower and make our lives great. Ever since I've become a Christian, one of the things that I think, not every day, but a lot of days is, man, this is an adventure. This is an, isn't it? I mean, those of you that are Christians, isn't it an adventure? You never know what God's got in store for you today when you wake up. And it could be wonderful, it could be somewhat tragic, but it's always going to be an adventure. And that comes from letting him drive, letting him have control. You see this battle, and I'll close with this, that Jesus fought in the minds and the hearts of the Jews that he spoke to in the first century is the same one we have today. We have a tendency to see our world flatly, physically. Get up, go to work, earn money, pay the bills, Maintain the schedule. Do all the things that we need to. And we've got to do all that stuff. You can't not do that stuff. But it's easy for us to forget what 
2 uh, Corinthians 4, 3, which said that um, it's not the visible, the, the, I'm drawing a blank on the quote it, but it's not the visible, it's the invisible that is real. For the visible, the earthly, is temporary, but the invisible, the spiritual, is eternal, it's permanent. And it's no coincidence that the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, godliness, none of those are physical. None of those can be put in your pocket or laid on the table or deposited in the bank. But all of those are the most real things that are sought after in the world around us. And they enliven our hearts. Hope. Thank God every day when you wake up if you still have hope for life, because so many people do not. So if any of this is something that you feel like you're missing in your life and you want more of it, let us know how we can help. There's going to be some shepherds in the back. There'll be some shepherds here in the front. And if there's any way at all that we can pray for you or help you in this journey to figure out what the next step is, please let us know as we stand and as we sing.